0: sage she was homegrown sent out here from abundant life and then she got married so we decided to support her husband too uh, We've been supporting them uh, as missionaries and uh, they're doing good work uh, all throughout the world and so I want to pray for them this morning uh, it's important for us here in our missions council for you as a church to know who is it that we support across the world and so uh, while they're based out of Montana they are global all over the place. Uh, if you, we're going to pray for them. If you'd like to sow into them financially or just bless them today, you can do so uh, through your church app. If you go to your church app and go to the give button, and uh, you can select missions. Anything that comes in, uh, any gifts that come in through our missions fund today will go straight to Ben and Sage to bless them during this season. So, if you'd like to do that, of course. You are welcome to. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Ben and Sage and the work that they are doing. Lord, we thank you that you uh, allow us to partner with them, Lord, and and they're they're able to go to places throughout this world that we wouldn't be able to go to. That the gospel's being preached, that it's being presented through your word and through dance, Lord, and parts of the world that none of us will ever some of us will never see. And so, Lord, we uh we just pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord, that you would continue to give them vision for the call that you have upon their lives as they serve you, Lord. We pray over their health, over their finances, Lord, over uh, the vision for the ministry that you have for them, Lord, that uh, we just thank you that you hold them in your hands. I pray that in this season ahead that it will be fruitful and rewarding uh, as they walk out what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church. It's good to have you here today. Uh, just a couple things before we get into the Word. I, I want to give you a couple updates uh, besides our missions update. Uh, we've been talking about our building project and the city of Ordington and all that for a while, and our new hearing date is October 24th at 1 30 p.m. at City Hall. If you'd like to show up, you're welcome to. Uh, the public is invited to show up to that. Our wetland biologists will be making a presentation uh, for our project, and uh, that is the thing we need to get out of the way. So next uh, next weekend, we'll we'll remind you again, and we'll commit to praying and uh, and whatnot on that day of Amen. So mark your calendars now, if you if you can, just to to get up that morning and to pray uh, for the favor of the Lord. Uh, I believe the Lord wants a church building and order. Do you believe that? Yeah. I didn't hear the set up and tear down people very loud there, but I assume that they meant amen. All right. uh, awesome. Uh, after service today, if uh, we, we announced a couple weeks ago we're going to be doing a Christmas program this year, and so an email went out on, uh, to you if you have kids in the kids' ministry. This is for navigators all the way through Remnant, and right after church, we're going to have a short uh, audition time for parts, uh, and so if you want to be a part of the play portion of that, um, then... Show up in the quest room and we'll spend a, just a few minutes there uh, one little uh I don't know what you want to call it push we need a few more young men so if you uh if you would like to be a part of that, we won't give you anything too hard to do or too many lines but we we do have characters like Joseph uh, and Gabriel for example, that are men and uh, and so we could use some men to play those parts so Uh, That's right after service. Well, let's get into the Word today. We're going to go back to 1 John, where we've been. This series is called Breaking Through. And we're looking at what it's going to take in our lives to break through the things that that keep us stuck. And this message is titled, Beware the World. Beware the World. Now, I don't want to be an alarmist, but the the truth is, is the world is out there, and we sometimes get so familiar and so close to it that we, we miss the signs We miss the dangers. Uh, right now, you look at the world and you, I'll drive by my neighbor's homes and they have graveyards in their front yards and a creepy lady on a swing that scares you when you drive by. And it's really easy to go, oh yeah, I should beware the world. Like there's, it's, this time of year, it's really easy to see how dark the world is. But a lot of times we miss it. And I was thinking back to uh, my very first job. Uh, my very first job was, it didn't pay a whole lot. Um, but it got me out of the house and it made me some money. I was 14 years old and uh, I had a buddy whose uncle owned a, uh, a milk delivery route at Smith Brothers Dairy. And so I had the opportunity to go work with him for the day and make a few bucks. And, and basically the, 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 the goal was is that we come to a stop. And rather than him running to every single house, we would, I would prep the orders while we drove. And then we'd get to the house, and we'd both pick an order, and we'd go to two houses so we could cut, really, his time down massively in half. And he'd save money, and I'd make money, and it was great. But sometimes you'd go up to a house, and there was a chain-link fence, and there was a sign. And it said, beware of dog. Now, some people have cute signs in front of their house. I didn't love the beware of dog sign. I'm going to be honest. Uh, You you go there and you open the gate and you kind of look around a little bit and you're like, and then you make your run for it and you drop it in and then you run back and and you got out of there as quick as possible. And you didn't know what this dog was. Now, sometimes they had these signs everywhere, beware of dog. And, and you're expecting, you know, this German Shepherd or this pit bull or something. And you go to, the, and out the window comes the tiniest little yapper dog. You know, and those can be the worst because you're, you know, you know it's just like that jump scare. And you didn't expect it. And I was like, I don't know, beware of the bark, maybe. But I didn't like the sign. And I wish sometimes that when the world was laying traps for us, that they would just put a sign out for us. And they would just say, look, beware, we're trying to get you. If sin was coming after you and temptation was coming after you, there was a big sign that just says, beware of this temptation right now. Wouldn't that be nice to just know? But you find yourselves in it and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Has that ever happened to you? Or you just go down this path and you didn't see it coming. Well, we're going to study here in Scripture today the, the plans and the tactics of the enemy and the world the bible calls the enemy the prince of this world that the the world there's darkness in this world and we're to be a people of light so let's look in first john chapter 2 we are going to pick up in verse 15 it says do not love the world or anything in the world If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do not love the world. I read this, and the first thing that I thought when I read this was, wait a minute, doesn't God love the world? Doesn't John 3.16 tell us, for God so loved the world? So John tells us in his gospel in chapter 3, God loved the world. And in 1 John, he says, don't love the world. What's he talking about? This world is made up of people who God loves. You're one of them. God loves the people of this world. But what he's talking about in 1 John is not the people. He's talking about the way. And there is a difference between the people of this world and the way of this world. You should, as a believer, as a Christian, be able to go out into this world and love the people of this world. Some people are harder to love than others. Amen? You just had a a, a face flash in your mind at that moment when I said that. <laughs> but we're called to love people. We are called to love the people of this world. But what we are called to beware of is the way of this world. The way of this world pulls you in until your love grows stronger for the world than for the ways of the Lord. And we see it happen. You've seen, I've seen it happen with good people with christian people where they're living for the lord and things are well and i just have seen the way of the world just suck them in and they've gone after the things of this world to the point at which they're not even really following the lord anymore they, they may profess they believe in god but there's no evidence in their life that it's happening the world has a way of sucking you in doesn't it it just sucks you in do you know that Facebook has algorithms built into it that are programmed to suck you in? Did you know that? Did you know that you, you probably noticed that if if you if you were on your Facebook feed and you're scrolling through and you see the ads and you see the videos that pop up you know my, mine's got some you know baseball videos or some comedians or some whatever it is and 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 my my wife's doesn't have the same content whatsoever it's completely different content than what's on mine and it's because Facebook figures out how to suck you in and you you get into that mind dead mind scroll where you just kind of become that it's ever happened to you and you're like why am I on this stupid thing it can happen with any that's what social media is goals are. And and you've heard it said, if if it's free, you're the product. If it's free, you're the product. And so we are the product, and its goal is to get you in so that you'll watch the ads and make them the the money and whatnot. The world is like this. This is a perfect picture of the world. The world will suck you in and suck you dry. And John has been talking about, in in the book of 1 John, about walking in the light and overcoming sin and when he gets to this section it's like he's yelling out beware the ways of the world because it's going trying to pull you in and the sentence structure of this way he writes this do not love the world as i studied this out actually means to stop an act that is already in progress And so he's teaching a people who are trying to live for the Lord, but they are being pulled away into this world. They're being pulled away by whatever the world is selling them. And he's inferring there's a problem that needs to be corrected. These are Christians who have bought in. And their definition of happiness has aligned with the world's instead of with heaven's. And that's easy to do, isn't it? You have people all around you in your life, and you they have this and they do this and this makes them happy, and and you kind of buy into the world's definition of what it means to be successful, what it means to be happy instead of looking at heaven and saying, This is what God says is best for my life. See, when you love something, you give it time and you give it attention. Isn't that true? if you want to date someone what do you do you give her time and you give her attention and you spend money that's what you do like that why because there is something that is pulling your heart and you'll say whatever it takes Has this ever happened to any of you some of you are married you know what i'm talking about Some of you want to get married. Some of you like somebody. You sacrifice for the people and the things that you love. You can say, I am so busy. I've got no time in my calendar. And I've done this. And someone says, hey, you want to go to a Mariners game tonight? It's free. I'm open. And yet, I've got no time. But if it's something that you love, it's something, if you're just... You've got the kids, ladies, they're just pulling on, they're hanging off your legs, you know, they're slobbering all over you, and your schedule's busy, and you've got soccer practice, and you're like, there's no time in the world. And your husband says, can I take you out for a steak dinner? You've got time all of a sudden. And he says, and I already got the babysitter. Men, come on, let's go. That's bonus points. You got to do that, right? Don't just take her out, figure out the babysitter. But we make time and we sacrifice for the things that we love, and you can do that for the ways of the Lord, or you can do that for the, the ways of the world. If you love, if you love the way of the world, here's what we know: you will conform to it. That's why Paul writes in Romans 12:2. He says, "Do not conform to the world." He's bringing a correction. He knows that we, by default, so often just conform. Have you seen some of these these videos or these tests where someone will go into a doctor's office and they will randomly, like every 30 seconds, just raise a hand or stand up? I have saw this video. It was like a social experiment. And and they would just do random things. And then the next person that would come in and they would kind of look at them. And that person... And you go an hour down the road. And now people are doing these bizarre behaviors because they just think that's what you're supposed to do here. Because what do we do? We just... Conform. You don't want to stand out. You don't want to be different. You want to conform. This is what you do here. You go to, you go to a Sounders game. Everyone gone to a Sounders game before? Soccer? I went to a Sounders game. I was so excited to sit back and enjoy the game. And guess what I found out? You stand the whole time. And so what did I do? I stood the whole time. Why? You just, just kind of, you conform. That's what you do. Plus I wanted to see. So that was what you had to do. The world is wanting you to conform. The world is after your attention. It's after your allegiance. It's after your resources. And it's after your soul. And John shines the light on the strategy of the enemy right here in this passage. I think if we could just learn this about the enemy, learn this about the way that he works, man, we are so well on our way. He tells us three things the enemy appeals to, to turn our affection to the way of the world, and that's this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What are these three things? These are big three things, and we see them all the way throughout Scripture, all the way to the very beginning, and I want to just take you back to a few places in Scripture today and show you how this plays out. The lust of the flesh is a desire to obey what the flesh wants. Does that ever happen to anybody besides me? The, the flesh wants this. And you might say, no, I don't, I don't give in. Did you ever eat that piece of chocolate cake? Did you ever eat lunch? Did you ever eat dinner? The flesh says, I'm hungry. Eat. It doesn't have to be bad. But that's what happens is it's the, the lust of the flesh is something that the flesh wants. What the world wants from you is to do the things that are contrary to the ways of the Lord. And so how this looks is it's what feels good to me have you heard that in our world if it feels good to you then you should do it if it feels right you just decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong if it feels good to you then it must be right it's at the root of every sexual revolution in history i don't know why they call it a revolution it should be called something else But that is at the root of every sexual revolution we've had in history. Do what feels good to you. If you have a craving, it must be natural. And so you should act upon it. That is at the root of the sexual revolution. When we took our Conquer series class and we looked at the the dangers of pornography in our our world, it all stems back from a guy who wrote this theory that says we're just animals. And if you have an urge, you should do something about it. It's normal. It's normal. That's the lust of the flesh. And Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then we hear this. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so we all, because we have flesh, because we are humans, we've all at some point in our lives fallen into this trap of the enemy, the lust of the flesh. Just do what feels good to me. Just do what feels good to me. The second thing he tells us is the lust of the eyes, strategy to draw you into the world. The lust of the eyes is a desire to long after what the eyes see. And so while the lust of the flesh is what feels good to me, the lust of the eyes is what appeals to me. I, I desire, it looks good. If it appeals to me, I should have it. The TV that I have is only 70 inches. I just see the 80-inch TV, and it looks good to me, and so I must have it. There's nothing wrong with an 80-inch TV. I don't own one. Mine's half that size, and it works fine. But it's, it's this idea that I've got to have more. It's a kind of at the root of materialism. It's the root of like, I must have better. Our technology in our world advances so fast that we are certain that we must have something that we didn't even know existed a year ago. And yet today we can't live without. That's the world in which we live. I don't know, what are we up to? Like 8, 10, 12, 32K now in resolution? I don't know. We were, watching, we were watching a football game, my daughter and I, on TV, and, and uh, I cut the cord a while ago and I have an antenna and it usually gets really good high def, but on this day for some reason it was kind of, uh, no, that wasn't it. We were, watching, uh, we were watching Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime and it was like a bad connection and it was just kind of like, it was like blurry a little bit. And she says to me, the nerve, is this what TV looked like when you grew up? <laughs> Come on, The nerve you said that right yeah no it was worse than this Uh, (laughs) oh but you now it's so clear that when it's not i'm like no it must be clear it must be more checking or resetting the router and trying to fix the internet i don't know why it won't work we've got to have better this lust of the eyes is the the root behind the tenth commandment. Do you know what the tenth commandment is? Anyone know? It says a tough one: "Thou shalt not covet." It's the it's the whole root behind the tenth commandment. I see it, I want it. I see it, and I want it. Matthew six twenty two through twenty three says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness, the lust of the eyes, what appeals to me. And finally, he tells us the pride of life. The pride of life is a pursuit of personal recognition. Now I know we all like to be recognized, we all like to feel important in this world, but the pride of life, if the lust of the flesh is what feels good to me and the lust of the eyes is what appeals to me, the pride of life is what elevates me. It's what makes me look good to others. If it makes others like me, I should do it. This is the biggest problem when you get into high school in peer pressure and now middle school, I guess also elementary school, peer pressure kicks in and you begin to do things that you know that aren't right. But if it makes others like me, I should do it. it many a dumb things have been done based on the pride of life many many dumb things where you say I dare you to do that I bet you won't do that oh if it makes others like me I will do it if it makes me look good it doesn't matter how it affects others and so this is the pride of life someone tells a story about something going on in their life and it's pretty awesome and in your mind you're going I've got to I've got to come up with a better story you know, someone caught a fish that was this big, and you got to make sure that your fish was this big, right? The pride of life. Someone rolls up in that brand new car, and you're like, I've got to get a newer car. Like, whatever it happens to be, I've got to come out on top. I've got to be the person that people look at, and yet Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall at the pride of life, if you get into this place where it's all about your recognition, how everybody notices you, that everybody should pay attention to me all the time, well, beware the world. Because that is another trap of the enemy. So let's look at these things. Beware the world. The prince of this world uses these things to draw us away from the Lord. What feels good to me, what appeals to me, and what elevates me. Pretty much every commercial on TV or every commercial that you see that's trying to sell you something appeals to these three things. Appeals, you ever been to a timeshare presentation? What are the main talking points? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can tell your friends that you own property, that you own a home in Cabo. Whatever it happens to be, let's take you through this walkthrough. They tell you it's going to be 90 minutes. I'm going to tell you from experience, not true but it appeals to these things you watch a car commercial it's comfortable it's beautiful and your neighbor will be jealous that's the commercial how about a beer commercial it tastes good it changes my outlook um yeah you think and women will think i'm amazing well, that's because their outlook got changed too. Okay, so here's the thing. That's what beer does. So they appeal to these things. That's like what the whole point is. That's what the world wants to do. And this strategy has been used by the enemy from the very beginning. So let's rewind time all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter three, and let's see what happens In Genesis 3, verse 6, this is God has created man and woman. They're in the garden, perfection. They're walking with the Lord. And it says So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. It was good for food, the lust of the flesh. It was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. It was desirable to make me wise, the pride of life. This is this very original strategy of the enemy. And he uses these things to pull God's people into the world, and we need to be on guard and aware of these things so that when they come at us, we're not falling, falling into this. Because when we partner with the world, when we become one with the world, breakthrough doesn't happen in our lives. Because break, what happens in the world isn't breaking free of chains, what happens in the world is receiving chains. We get bound up when we follow the way of the world. And God wants to see us free. And so we see this story in Matthew chapter 4 where Satan, just like he came to Eve and he came to Adam to tempt with these three things, Satan comes to Jesus and he tempts them the same way in Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 11. And we'll kind of stop and look at what's happening here. Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11. What I want you to see in this scripture as we read it, that Jesus was able to overcome the way of the world. That he was uh, able to overcome these three things that the enemy throws at God's people. And because you are in Christ, you can too. So let's see what happens. It says Jesus was led... By the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That is the most unnecessary scripture in the Bible. That is like the Captain Obvious, no duh. I fast four hours and I'm hungry. I don't know about you. Jesus fasted 40 days. Maybe he just wants us to see like how critical this was. It says, The tempter came to him and said... If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. All right, what do you think that is? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What would that fall into? Any guesses? The flesh. The lust of the flesh. Jesus, you're clearly hungry. So take this rock, turn it into bread, do a miracle on demand for me. Can you imagine Jesus doing a miracle on demand for satan that probably wouldn't have been a good look huh and so jesus responds and says it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god so what does jesus do to stand up against this strategy of the enemy to appeal to his flesh he says let me tell you what the word of god says let me tell you what the word of god says then it says in verse five the devil took him to the holy city And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Okay, so he takes Jesus up and he says, Jesus, check this out. Let's go up here. We're going to be on this high thing. And what I want you to do is I want you to free fall. And Jesus, you are untouchable. I just want to remind you, you're untouchable. You can just throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. No one can touch you. Let, let's see you do it. Go ahead and free fall. What, what do you think of the enemy? What strategy is the enemy using here? Any thoughts? I disagreed with the commentators on this one, by the way. But I think it's the pride. It's the pride of life. I'm going to take you to the, I'm going to take you to the highest place. And I, I, I want you to prove to me, Jesus, that you're untouchable. I want you to prove that, you know, you could do anything and the angels are just going to bail you out and you'll be fine. Jesus, you can do this. And Jesus says to him, it is also written. Remember, he goes back to the word. Now, the the enemy got tricky here because the enemy says, oh, you're going to quote the word to me? I'm going to quote the word to you. You tell me that the Bible says man should not live on bread alone, that the scriptures say that? Well, I'm going to tell you that scripture says that you can do this and the angels will attend to you. And Jesus says once again, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all of the kingdom of this world and their splendor. Jesus, look at this. This is the lust of the eyes. Jesus, look out. Look at what you see with your eyes. Isn't it attractive? Isn't it amazing? I imagine Jesus thinking, Yeah, I know I created it. But the enemy is saying, Look at what this is. Look at this beauty. Look, it's everything. Jesus i will give it all to you he says if you'll bow down and worship me i will back off your case i won't try to kill you i will just let you have if you will bow down and worship me jesus we can just end this whole thing right now could you imagine being in a boxing match and and or ufc fight and one of the guys is like hey if you just surrender now i won't beat you up you're like no you're going down pal right but this is the strategy of the enemy. I will just, all surrender it all. I know he's the prince of this world, and that he's got influence, but he says, I'll just back up, and you can just have it all, Jesus. Just look at how amazing it is. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels attended to him. We have the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. And Jesus defeats the way of the world. He resisted the same temptation that Adam and Eve could not. And he has given us the power of the Spirit to do the same thing he did. To resist just as he did. And it's more than just the power to resist. It's the insight to see through the deception of the enemy. And I think that's one of the things that we so easily can miss as Christians. Because we get enamored with the world, we may have some success at standing against the temptation of the enemy that we say, Holy Spirit, will you help me stand against this when it comes at me? Or we catch ourselves partway through and we say, no, I recognize this. But what we miss is the insight to see ahead what the enemy's plan is, to see what's coming at us and to see through the deception of the enemy and i believe god wants to give you insight he wants to open your eyes to see what the deception of the enemy is that when the world is trying to attract you in that you don't even think twice about it because you see right through it because you have the spiritual vision that jesus had to be able to see i know this is just a trap and this is just a trick here's the thing you've got to know about the enemy he doesn't have new tricks He just disguises and reimagines old ones. We looked at this through in Genesis. We looked at it in Matthew. It's the same today. You take anything that the world's going to throw at you, the enemy hasn't invented anything new. You think, wow, people have created new ways to sin. Doesn't it seem like that in our world? But they haven't. The enemy is just recycling temptations. He's just recycling strategies. He's just reimagining and coming up with new creative ways. Oh, they're going to have technology. I'll I'll use the lust of the eyes to work through the technology. It's just the same stuff. It's the same traps. It's the same garbage. And if we look at the root of what the world is throwing at us, and go, you know what? No, this is just trying to appeal to my flesh, appeal to my eyes, appeal to my pride. I see right through it. And I believe that we as God's people need to have our eyes and our spirits opened to see what the world is throwing at us. If you were to get real and honest and think about the things throughout your life that have caused you to stumble, we all have them. Maybe you're in a good place now. And I say, praise the Lord. I hope that we all someday in our lives can say, I'm in in a good place. And, and, And if you're in that place, I think that's awesome. You should stay in that place and you should keep pressing into the Lord and don't back off. Don't take your foot off the gas when it comes to your pursuit of Jesus. But if you look back in your life and you think of the things that have caused you to stumble, think of the things that caused you to fall away, think of the things that got you into some trouble... I bet it would fit into one of these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm here to tell you today, beware the world, because the world and its desires pass away. It says here that it's all temporary. Satisfaction doesn't last. Things lose their appeal. Fame is fleeting. You've heard the expression, 15 minutes of fame? That's because that's what it is, it's fleeting. And he tells us here in the Scripture that these things, they pass away. The world and its desires, they'll be gone, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What does last is eternity. With Jesus. What does last is the impact that you've made on a life where someone has looked at your life and said, That person is different. That person isn't like the world. That person has a peace the world doesn't have. That person has a joy that the world doesn't have. And I want what they have. And you tell them, they come to you and they say, What is it? And you tell them it's about Jesus. And they surrender their life to Jesus. And they say, I want my life changed by Jesus. And now their eternity is changed. That's what lasts is the eternity with God. And we are here in this world for a time and for a season. And Jesus believes that you can actually live in this world, but not be of it. Jesus believes that you can be in this world and not be of it. And when praying to the Father, he said this in Matthew 17. He says, Lord, he says this about his disciples. I don't ask that you take them out of the world. Why? Because he knew that the world needs them. Just like the world needs us. Don't take them out of this world, but Lord, I ask that you keep them from the evil one because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Lord, would you protect your people? Would you protect my disciples that they would not give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but instead that they would be not influenced by the world, but they would be influencers in the world. Here we are in this world, but we need to be aware and beware the world. Beware the ways of the enemy. Beware the traps that he sets. Pay attention of how he's trying to pull you away by appealing to these things. And I'm convinced, I am so convinced that you cannot follow the way of the world and simultaneously experience breakthrough. I have been in ministry for a long time now, and I have prayed with many people. And and, I have never come to someone who so desperately wants breakthrough and are living completely for themselves, living in sin, living for the ways of this world, and have them experience freedom. It's when it comes to that surrender It says, God, I want your way. I want to live your way. That's when breakthrough happens. Breakthrough comes when you break off the way of the world. If you truly want breakthrough in your life, then we've got to be honest with ourselves and look and say, where is the enemy won this battle? On the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Where is the enemy winning this battle? And Lord, I have bought into the way of this world, and I want breakthrough in my life. And so God, I break off those ways, and I take on your ways. Do not love the world, but love God. Don't follow the world's way, follow God's way. I want to pray over you this morning, that if there are any places in your life where you look at these three categories, you look at these three strategies of the enemy and you say, you know what? The enemy's been having a heyday in this area of my life. The enemy's been winning. Maybe you're so caught up and you're, the approval of others is, is causing you to make decisions in your life that you know you ought to not be making. Or you just want to fit in. You just want to be accepted. And so what happens is you're, you're doing things and you're, they're really destructive. And you're saying, I've got to break off this pride of life off of me. Because I want to see God do a work in me. Will you stand with me this morning as we come to the Lord in prayer? Would you just ask the Lord? Let's just spend this a moment before the Lord and close our eyes and say, God, we come to you this morning and I pray that you show us today. If there's any places in our lives where we are falling into the traps of the world, where we are following, falling into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, where the enemy's strategies are working, I pray, Lord God, that you'd reveal it to us right now. That you would show us where his strategies are pulling us into the world. Show us, God, the patterns of our lives that, that, are, that are being manipulated, by the world and we bring these before you today if you've got things in your life and you're saying you know what I bought into some of this stuff I've seen or maybe you say you know what I see the enemy trying in my life I see the enemy succeeding even I've, I've seen in my life where this has been the case if you're in that place today just put your hands out like you're reaching out to the Lord and we say God we come before you right now we break off This attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We break off this, Lord. I pray that you would open our spirits to see the ways of this world, that you would open our spirits to see the attack of the enemy. I pray, Lord God, that you would show us, Lord God, when temptation comes, when the enemy comes and begins to try to pull us into this world, when we get caught up in distraction and attraction to the things of this world, Lord, I pray that you would break those things off, that you would show us, Lord, how to stand firm by your word and by by the power of your Spirit, that says, "No, I'm not giving in to this. I'm not going to live my life be by the pride of life. I'm not going to let my life be guided by the lust of my flesh and just doing everything that feels good to me. I'm going to guide my life by the Word of God, and I'm going to obey Him and I'm going to follow Him, even if it's hard and even if it hurts. I'm not going to live my life guided by the lust of the eyes. That if I, if I see it and I want it, that I should just have it and and I should just do it. Lord, I pray that you." Bring break these things off of your people. Lord, that we would be able to be in the world, but not of the world. Lord, that we would truly experience a breakthrough in our lives. Lord, we come to you and we repent, Lord, for where we have just blindly stepped in to the traps of the enemy, where we've not been aware. Lord, we don't want to be scared. This isn't a scary thing, Lord. It's an eye-opening thing. That we would learn to beware the world while we're in it. That we would carefully order our steps and follow you. Lord, we follow you today. And I pray for anyone here who is stuck in patterns and cycles and addictions and things where the enemy has had his way. We pray right now in the name of Jesus. That they would be set free by the power of your name by your work on the cross by your resurrection power lord no more will they be a person who will be guided by the lust of their flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life no longer will they be guided by these things but they will live boldly and courageously for you lord god freedom right now for your people lord god i pray that you would expose the plans of the enemy Expose him, Lord. Bring all things into the light. Expose the enemy's works, Lord God. Make us a people who can do what Jesus did and say, no, no, I see right through this and I stand on the word. I stand on the power of my God and I will not budge. Make us an an immovable people by the power of your name. Amen. As the worship team leads us, as we close this morning, if you'd like prayer, if you want to just come to the front and just worship God and celebrate the freedom that you are experiencing right now, then do that. If you want prayer for anything in your life, you need prayer to just have someone stand with you say, I need this broken off my life. I've seen this. I need it gone. If you want prayer for a loved one, say, I've got a loved one who's hurting and I would like to stand with someone and pray, for my loved one who I see following in to all the ways of the world. Then come and have prayer this morning. Let's be a people who not only contend for ourselves but for others. Amen.